Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of the Phantom Toll Booth. So yesterday we learned who um, Dr. Cacophonous A Discord, um, the Doctor of Dissonance was, and his assistant, the Din. You know, it was all kind of a play on sounds, and and all those words that are in their names are sound names. And we found out that he that the din collects all the terrible noises in the world and brings them back to the doctor to make um, medicines for to cure hearing beautiful things. So Talk and, and Milo and the humbug all declined to take the medicine to stop hearing beautiful things, but they've been warned that they are going to be passing through the Valley of Sound soon. So let's see what happens there. This is chapter 12, The Silent Valley. How agreeable and pleasant this valley is, thought Milo, as once again they bounced along the highway with the humbug humming snatches of old songs to his own vast amusement and talk sniffing contentedly at the wind. I can't really see what Dr. Discord was so concerned about. There certainly couldn't be anything unpleasant along this road. And just as the thought crossed his mind, they passed through a heavy stone gateway and everything was very different. At first, it was difficult to tell just what had changed. It all looked the same, and it all smelled the same, but for some reason, nothing sounded the same. I wonder what's happened, said Milo. At least, that's what he tried to say, for although his lips moved, not a sound came out of his mouth. And suddenly, he realized what it was, for talk was no longer ticking, and the humbug, although happily singing, was doing so in complete silence. The wind no longer rustled the leaves, the car no longer squeaked, and the insects no longer buzzed in the fields. Not the slightest thing could be heard, and it felt as if, in some mysterious way, a switch had been thrown and all the sound in the world had been turned off in the same instant. The humbug, suddenly realizing what happened, leapt to his feet in terror, and Talk worriedly checked to see if he was still keeping time. It was certainly a strange feeling to know that no matter how loudly or softly you chatted or rattled or bumped, it all came out the same way, as nothing. How dreadful, thought Milo as he slowed down the car. The three of them began to talk and shout at once with absolutely no result, until, hardly noticing where they were going, they had driven into the midst of a large crowd of people marching along the road. Some of them were singing at the top of their non-existent voices, and the others were carrying large signs which proclaimed, Down with silence! All quiet is no diet! It's laudable to be audible! More sound for all! And one enormous banner simply stated, Hear, hear! But instead of it being hear, hear, like saying the saying, it's hear, H-E-A-R, like you can hear something, and then hear, like right here, get it? Except for these and the big brass cannon being pulled along behind, they all looked very much like the residents of any other small valley to which you've never been. When the car had stopped, one of them held up a placard which said, Welcome to the Valley of Sound, and the others cheered as loudly as possible, which was not very loud at all. Have you come to help us? asked another, stepping forward with his question. Please, added a third. Milo tried desperately to say who he was and where he was going, but to no avail. As he did, four more placards announced, Listen, crossed out, look carefully. 
and we will tell you of our terrible misfortune. And while two of them held up a large blackboard, a third, writing as fast as he could, explained why there was nothing but quiet in the Valley of Sound. At a place in the valley not far from here, he began, where the echoes used to gather and the winds came to rest, there is a great stone fortress, and in it lives the sound keeper who rules this land. When the old king of wisdom drove the demons into the distant mountains, he appointed her the guardian of all sounds and noises past, present, and future. For years she ruled as a wise and much beloved monarch, each morning at sunrise releasing a day's new sounds, to be borne by the winds throughout the kingdom, and each night at moonset gathering the old sounds to be cataloged and filed in the vast storage vaults below. The writer paused a moment to mop his brow, and then, since the blackboard is full, erased it completely and continued anew from the top. She was generous to a fault and provided us with all the sound we could possibly use, for singing as we worked, for bubbling pots of stew, for the chop of an axe and the crash of a tree, for the creak of a hinge and the hoot of an owl, for the squish of a shoe in the mud, and the friendly tapping of rain on the roof and for the sweet music of pipes and the sharp snap of winter ice cracking on the ground. He paused again as a tear of longing rolled from cheek to lip with the sweet salty taste of an old memory. And all these sounds, when once used, would be carefully placed in alphabetical order and neatly kept for future reference. Everyone lived in peace and the valley flourished as the happy home of sound. But then things began to change. Slowly at first, and then in a rush, more people came to settle here and brought with them new ways and new sounds, some very beautiful and some less so. But everyone was so busy with the things that they ha that had to be done that they scarcely had time to listen at all. And as you know, a sound which is not heard disappears forever and is not to be found again. People laughed less and grumbled more, sang less and shouted more, and the sounds they made grew louder and uglier. It became difficult to hear even the birds or the breeze, and soon everyone stopped listening for them. He again cleared the blackboard as the humbug choked back a sob and continued writing. The sound keeper grew worried and disconsolate. Each day there were fewer sounds to be collected, and most of those were hardly worth keeping. Many people thought it was the weather, others blamed the moon. But the general consensus of opinion held that the trouble began at the time that rhyme and reason were banished. But no matter what the cause, no one knew what to do. Then one day, Dr. Discord appeared in the valley with his wagon of medicines and the bluish smoggy din. He made thorough examination and promised to cure everyone of everything, and the soundkeeper let him try. He gave several bad-tasting spoonfuls of medicine to every adult and child, and it worked, but not really as expected. For he cured everybody of everything but noise. The soundkeeper became furious. She chased him from the valley forever and issued the following decree. From this day forward, the valley of sound shall be silent, since sound is no longer appreciated. I hereby abolish it. 
Please return all unused amounts to the fortress immediately. And that's the way it has been ever since, he concluded sadly. There's nothing we can do to change it, and each day new hardships are reported. A small man, with his arms full of letters and messages, pushed through the crowd and offered them to Milo. Milo took one, which read, Dear Soundkeeper, We had a thunderstorm last week, and the thunder still hasn't arrived. How long should we wait? Yours truly, a friend. Then he took a telegram which stated, Band concert, great success, stop. When may we expect the music? Stop. Now you see, continued the writer, why you must help us attack the fortress and free sound. What can I do? wrote Milo. You must visit the sound keeper and bring from the fortress one sound, no matter how small, with which to load our cannon. For if we can reach the walls with the slightest noise, they will collapse and free the rest. It won't be easy, for she is hard to deceive, but you must try. Milo thought for just a moment, and then, with a resolute, I shall, volunteered to go. Within a few minutes, he stood bravely at the fortress door. Knock, knock, he wrote neatly on a piece of paper, which he pushed under the crack. In a moment, the great portal swung open, and as it closed behind him, a gentle voice sang out, Right this way! I'm in the parlor! Can I talk now? cried Milo happily, hearing his voice once again. Yes, but only in here, she replied softly. Now do come into the parlor. Milo walked slowly down the long hallway into the little room where the soundkeeper sat listening intently to an enormous radio set, whose switches, dials, knobs, meters, and speaker covered one whole wall, and at which the moment was playing nothing. Isn't that lovely, she sighed. It's my favorite program, 15 minutes of silence. And after that, there's a half hour of quiet, and then an interlude of lull. Why, did you know that there are almost as many kinds of stillness as there are sounds? But, sadly enough, no one pays any attention to them these days. Have you ever heard the wonderful silence just before the dawn? She inquired. Or the quiet calm just as a storm ends? Or perhaps you know the silence when you haven't had, when you haven't the answer to a question you've been asked? Or... The hush of a country road at night, or the expectant pause in a room full of people when someone is just about to speak, or, most beautiful of all, the moment after the door closes and when you are alone in the whole house. Each one is different, you know, and all very beautiful if you listen carefully. As she spoke, the thousands of little bells and chimes which covered her from head to toe tinkled softly, and, as if in reply, the telephone began to ring too. For someone who loves silence, she certainly talks a great deal, thought Milo. At one time, I was able to listen to any sound made any place at any time, the soundkeeper remarked, pointing toward the radio wall. But now I merely... Pardon me, interrupted Milo as the phone continued to ring, but aren't you going to answer it? Oh no, not in the middle of the program, she replied, and turned the silence up a little louder. 
but it may be important, insisted Milo. Not at all, she assured him. It's only me. It gets so lonely around here with no sounds to distribute or collect that I call myself seven or eight times a day just to see how I am. Well, how are you? he asked politely. Not very well, I'm afraid. I seem to have a touch of static, she complained. But what brings you here? Of course, you've come to tour the vaults. Well, they're usually open to the public only on Mondays from two to four, but since you've traveled so far, we'll have to make an exception. Follow me, please. She quickly bounced to her feet with a chorus of jingles and chimes and started down the hallway. Don't you just love the jingles and chimes? I do, she answered quickly. Besides, they're very convenient, for I'm always getting lost in this big fortress, and all I have to do is listen for them, and then I know exactly where I am. They entered a tiny cage-like elevator and traveled down for fully three-quarters of a minute, stopping finally in an immense vault, whose long lines of file drawers and storage bins stretched in all directions from where... from where here began to where there ended and from floor to ceiling. And we're going to stop there for today. Come back tomorrow to find out what is in the vaults and if Milo is successful in his mission. <laughs>